Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. How you doing, folks? Graham G.S. and Matthews here. Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for August 4th, 2016. An explosive episode here today talking Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and some brief thoughts on the Cruiserweight Classic from Wednesday night. But I am not flying solo. I will be joined by at Clark Mora on the Twitter. Clark, he's been on here on the show before. Always an awesome guest. A great dude to follow on the Twitter machine and all the other social media platforms. He will be joining me momentarily. But in the meantime, before we get started here... With just one cheap plug before we uh, get into the conversation talking all things wrestling. I was on the Cruise Control Podcast the second straight week. Be sure to check it out at uh, Randy J. Cruz on Twitter. He's tweeted at the link a bunch of times. It's on SoundCloud, on iTunes, um, I believe on his own personal website. It's a number of different places you can check out the show for the second straight week. I might be in there weekly going forward from what it looks like. So, And I'm very excited to be a part of that because he's a great guy to talk to about wrestling every single week. So be sure to get my thoughts on the world of wrestling in addition to right here on WrestleRant radio on the cruise control podcast by following randy on the twitter machine as well as myself at a wrestle rant but him at randy j cruz and one last announcement i forgot to i mean i thought there were just one but there's actually two before we get started here i'm now writing for sportskita.com i think it's com maybe net but i'm pretty sure it's com but regardless all the links are on my twitter um, with my first two articles for the website up the first article talking about dolph ziggler's road to redemption and the second one being about baron corbin how we can still be salvaged as a top heel on the SmackDown brand. So now you can find my articles on Bleach Report, What Culture, Hidden Remote, Sports Kita, and of course right here on NextAirWrestling.net for my full written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and everything else from the world of wrestling. So with all that being said, folks, once again I'm being joined by Clark, at Clark Mora on the Twitter here today to talk all things WWE from the past week in the world of wrestling. Enjoy, folks. All right, welcome back, folks, to Wrestle Rant Radio for August 4th, 2016. Yours truly, Graham Giusa Matthews, hosting the show here today. But I'm not flying solo for the first time since coming to Thursdays. I'm being joined by a guest, a familiar voice here on the show. we got at Clark Mora, my brother Clark. Clark, how are you doing today, dude? Pretty good. How are you? Doing good. I mean, i got to ask you one question before we get started here. Before we talk about Raw, SmackDown Live, NXT, the Cruiserweight Classic, Nitro, Thunder, all that other great shit. Is now an awesome time to be a wrestling fan for you? Yes, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I know you were tweeting last night after NXT and the Cruiserweight Classic. Like, what are your impressions just of the past week alone of like what's gone down in the weekend, like in the entire world of wrestling right now? Of the entire world of wrestling, or at least, or at least just NXT and the Cruiserweight Classic after last night. I mean. Like, it seems like every year, NXT just keeps getting better and better. And then for the Cruiserweight Classic, it's like, you know, I, I want more. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Like, definitely. every single week. Every single week, it's like, I crave, you know, you, you, there's Raw, I can't wait to watch that, and then there's SmackDown, but it's like, Wednesday night is wrestling night. 
and that's the night that I'm always excited for. Same. I mean, even before, as of a couple weeks ago, no longer, unfortunately, not until another month or so, but Lucha Underground comes back on September, I think it's the 8th, the Thursday, or the Wednesday. I think it's like the first or second Wednesday. What was that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's I know the 11th is a Sunday because that's backlash. So it must be. Let me do the math here. September 7th, I think it is that Wednesday. But uh, that's that's gonna be six. That's Wednesday, like you said, the Cruiserweight Classic NXT. It's just a lot of stuff to be talking about. We'll be talking about NXT here today. I didn't have enough time to talk about it last week. I mean, last week wasn't that. It was a decent show, but it wasn't anything newsworthy. I thought last night though was one of the best episodes in recent memory, which is saying something. I mean, like you said, every single year it seems like we're always saying, "Oh, NXT is peaked. Like it can't get better than this." And then they get better than that, and it's like the greatest thing going in wrestling right now as we quickly approach Brooklyn TakeOver, or TakeOver Brooklyn, rather, the other way around. Uh, Botch that for a second. Uh, TakeOver Brooklyn in a little over two weeks, which is shaping up to be a stellar show. we got SummerSlam that Sunday. It's going to be an amazing weekend. But uh, even before we get into Raw and SmackDown, which we'll kick off here, just we'll go in the order of the week of wrestling from Raw to SmackDown to NXT, the Cruiserweight Classic, we'll end with that. One question for you, Clark. Are you feeling glorious today? Yes, I am feeling quite glorious. <laughs> I I got to get into this real quick. I mean, like I said, we'll talk about NXT momentarily, but what were your immediate thoughts on the debut of Bobby Roode in NXT last night? So, the thing is, like, I was tweeting after, like, maybe two or three hours after, like, the after the live airing of NXT, so, like, mm-hmm. I didn't watch it as it was happening. But, like, I was seeing, you know, people tweet about, you know, Bobby Roode's new theme song, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, what's so great about it? I come home, I watch NXT, I hear a theme song, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. This is like <laughs> the, probably the second greatest thing since uh, Nakamura's theme song. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is so, you know, Queen. Like, th- that's the first thought I had. I was like, wow, this sounds a lot like Queen. And then I was like, this is going to be the greatest thing w- when it comes down for NXT TakeOver. Because everyone... At the Barclays Center, is just going to yell, Glorious! (laughs) It's going to be perfect. It is going to be perfect. It's gonna be it's gonna be glorious is what it's gonna be come yeah, uh, it's August. Going to be glorious. <laughs> gonna be glorious come August thirtieth, uh, August twentieth uh, rather, in a little over two weeks. It's gonna it's gonna be great. He should be on the card. I don't read the spoilers. I'm sure he's gonna be on the card in some form or fashion. We'll talk about it next thing. I, 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 I read the spoilers. I'm not gonna say who he's facing, but. If anyone wants to look at the card, feel free. I'm not going to say it. But it's good, though? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's good. But he's on the show, though. He's wrestling on the show is what I need to know. Okay, good, good. So we will be glorious in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center a little over two weeks. Like I said, it's going to be glorious. I can't wait for that. We'll talk about that once again momentarily, the promo and everything else about NXT. But starting with Raw, and again, a quick question here, Clark, before we get into the you know in-depth reviews of Raw and SmackDown Live for Monday and Tuesday, respectively, who do you think this week, in the second week of the brand split, won the war between Raw and SmackDown? Uh, I want to say... You know, both shows are really good this week. I gotta give it to Raw. Ooh, okay, interesting. Well, I mean, we'll get into why in a little bit. Um, but I think, in my opinion, one of the better parts of the show, I think, has to contribute to that. And Raw being the better show over SmackDown this past week was the opening segment. We had Charlotte, we had Chris Jericho, Enzo, and Sasha. Four very unfamiliar faces to the opening segment on Monday Night Raw. So it was kind of a 
breath of fresh air of sorts to kick off the flagship show on Monday night. All four guys, all four girls, all four people, rather, uh, they all did great. They all gelled very well together. They all had great chemistry on the mic. It went probably just as long, if not longer, than if we were to get an authority promo in almost 20 minutes. But the thing is, is that this was so much fun, it didn't feel like 20 minutes, and the time just flew by. I mean, you combine that with the match itself, with uh, Charlotte and Jericho beating Enzo and Banks in the intergender tag team match that followed. It was a solid 40 minutes to kick off the show. It furthered a feud between Charlotte and Banks going into the pay-per-view, their title rematch of the Women's Championship. It kicked off a feud between Enzo and Jericho and also KO coming in, Kevin Owens on commentary, who was you know excellent behind the booth as usual. So a lot of different things. Oh, it just working here, I think, in, in this match. It was just amazing. So uh, what were your immediate thoughts on the opening segment of Raw? Was this a breath of fresh air for you as well? It was a breath of fresh, of fresh air. Mainly because, here's what I saw someone tweet. I don't remember if it was you or someone else. I think it was someone else. Uh, Someone tweeted out saying, uh, this is the first time in a long time that the women have actually opened a show on Raw. Have you thought about that? Yeah, no, I was thinking about that as well on Raw, or during Raw on Monday. I'm thinking... I couldn't tell you. Like, usually I can remember that type of stuff, but I, I think it's been... Honestly, like even longer than I've been watching to even really tell you how long it's been since the women kicked off the show because I can't remember an instance other than like an AJ Lee when she was GM, but I don't really count her because she wasn't like a part of the women's division at that point. Um, Yeah, she was the GM. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that would make sense. But other than her... I couldn't tell you the last time the women's champion kicked off Raw, the Divas champion or whatever. Um, it's It's been yeah. a long time. And I think the best part about it, too, is that they not only made history in that segment on Monday night, I think from what I read, it did one of like the highest points of the show, which, I mean, it was the opening segment, but they kept the viewers around for their intergender tag team match. And it was the I think it was the highest rated hour of the entire evening, so... Um, it, it's cool. been a long time. Yeah, it was super cool for the women. Like I said, it's groundbreaking, which shouldn't come as any surprise one week removed from their amazing match over the Women's Championship. Um, but Oh, yeah. It was just incredible stuff. So what do you look forward to in this feud between Charlotte and Banks going forward? Um, I don't really know. I mean, like, I, I really like the uh, storyline that they're going with right now. I mean, I can't really picture what's going to happen next. I feel like Sasha is going to uh, retain the title at SummerSlam, but like other than that, I don't really know for sure what's next in their story. We're, well, I, I will ask this, though. Did you have as big of a problem? I mean, I personally did not, but I could see why some people would be, and I saw a lot of criticism of this on Twitter in the days that followed. Did you have an issue with Charlotte beating Banks in her first match as champion on Monday by pinning her to win the tag team match? Um, I'm kind of 50-50 on it. If it was a singles match, I would have a big problem with it. Mm-hmm. But since it was a tag team match, no, I don't really have a big problem with it. Like, you know, that's probably not the best move for the champion because it makes her look weak already. Mm-hmm. At, least, at least that's my opinion. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think with the women anyway. I mean, I was thinking that once Charlotte pinned Banks, I'm thinking, why didn't they just have Jericho pin Enzo? But then it kind of remind. Then I was kind of reminded how 
in you know having the women close off the match and having Charlotte pin Banks or rather the or even if it was the other way around it keeps the focus on them I mean Jericho and Enzo have a great thing going it seems like that's going to be an awesome tag team feud and we'll talk about that in a little bit or right after this in a second but I'm glad they kept the focus on the women you know coming out of the opening segment where I thought they might take the focus off of them when Jericho and Enzo came out who were great but I think their their involvement wasn't all that necessary initially. But when they you know jailed in their roles, they had a really good match and they closed out the match with the women. I thought that was great. Um, but I mean, like you said, I think I would have had a bigger problem with it too if it was like a one on one match and she lost like via a distraction roll up from fucking like Alicia Fox or something. Like at that point, oh, I would <laughs> that that would have been awful. But. This was a little different. That would have been terrible. It would have been terrible. Yeah, it would have been the worst thing they could have done. And thankfully, in this new era, it seems like they're kind of moving away from that to an extent. But, um, you know, I, I was fine with it. I mean, they have the rematch coming up. You know, Charlotte gets her win back. It also proves, not proves, but it might plant that seed of doubt that Sasha's win last week might have been a fluke, as Charlotte said. So giving her some sort of, yeah. you know, story going into summer or something, I thought it was fine. Um, but even, like I said, yeah. so they also kind of furthered that feud too between Enzo and Cass and Y2 Jericho or Jericho or whatever you want to call them. Uh, what are your thoughts on this newfound feud between these four guys? Well, I mean, a couple months ago, didn't they team up a little bit, mm-hmm. like leading into WrestleMania or something like that? I can't remember what pay-per-view they were going into. Like, they were briefly teaming up. I remember them on SmackDown, like, cutting promos together backstage and stuff. But, uh, yeah, going into SummerSlam against Enzo and Cass, I think that'd be a good uh, feud, you know? Enzo and Cass are white hot right now as a tag team. Mm-hmm. And Owens and Jericho, you know, stellar work as heels. So, you know, that's a really good mix of characters. So, you know, I'm excited. Uh, you know, anytime I see Enzo and Cass on TV, I get excited. I don't care who it is. I mean, unless it's Shining Stars or something like that. But, um... Other than that, like, anytime Enzo and Cass are on TV, I get excited no matter who they're up against. Exactly. Regardless of who their opponents are, these guys are always entertaining. And then you combine that with the fact that Jericho and Kevin Owens together are just comedy gold. I think it was, I think it was Extreme Rules, or no, I think it was, it was both Extreme Rules and Payback. Because I remember a few promos, like you said, that they were doing, like, even going into Money in the Bank, they were going on and off as opponents and as tag team partners yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, Money in the Bank. So for the like throughout the spring, they were teaming on and off, not as regularly or as much of a tag team as Y two AJ was back in you know March or whatever. Um, but still, I mean, yeah. these guys have such awesome chemistry together. I think the best thing they did together was about a month or so ago. I want to say maybe in late June, early July. Uh, when they did that segment on SmackDown backstage, when uh, Kevin Owens was wearing, oh, it was the week after the after the food fight. That's what it was, because KO found Jericho's scarf, and he was saying that, oh, you look great in that scarf, and they were talking about like, do you know, getting it, putting it in the laundry mat or something like that. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, the segment's on YouTube from WWE's channel if you want to check it out, but. The bottom line is that these two have just great chemistry together. And then, as you said, Clark, that these two, that Enzo and Cass are arguably not only the greatest thing other than American Alpha and the New Day, I guess, in the tag team division right now. They're one of the hottest acts in the entire company, period. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, whatever. These guys are white hot right now. And I think it's great they're getting them on the card. With Enzo, you know, like he will say, he could say anything at all in any order you know, mm-hmm. like, like any order of words, and, and he will somehow make it make sense. Like, 
that's how good he is on the mic. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he drops like poop references sometimes, and from John Cena, that'd be cringeworthy. But for whatever reason, when Enzo More talks about poop, like it's funny. Like I don't know why, but it just is. <laughs> He's the greatest of what he does on the mic. So uh, uh, I, I just think it's great, and especially to get these guys on the card. I mean, they're very well-deserving. They've been on the last couple of pay-per-views. They went for the tag titles of Money in the Bank. They teamed up with John Cena in a victorious effort at Battleground a few weeks ago, and now they'll be able to go back to Brooklyn um, in their home, in, in their backyard of Brooklyn, and get a monster pop there against Jericho and KO. If that's the direction they're going in, and I assume it is, um, that should be a great match too. So also on Monday, we got a few more squash matches. Uh, we got one from Braun Strowman beating Evan Anderholm, as well as Nia Jax beating, I forgot the name of the girl that she faced, but some enhancement talent, or Ariel Monroe, I'm looking at it right now, um, some local athlete. So uh, Clark, I want to get your thoughts. What, what have been your thoughts on the returning squash matches to Monday Night Raw? Do you think they're effective in building, in building up new talent, or do you think they're pretty much pointless? Um, No, I don't. I, no, they're not pointless at all. Mm-hmm. I, I like them, you know? Uh, if you put someone, for example, like Zack Ryder, because, you know, Zack Ryder's been fed to Rusev many, many times, and basically Zack Ryder was, was the jobber in that jobber role. Uh, but now you're bringing in legit jobbers like James Ellsworth last week and, you know, the guy you mentioned, I don't remember who it was. But, um, but no, uh, yeah, squash matches, you know, they're, they're old. They're an old tradition. But, you know, there's no such thing as too old when it comes to some things. And I think squash matches is in that category. I definitely think so, too. I mean, I couldn't tell you, other than, like, when Ryback was doing it a few years ago, when he first arrived on the scene in his current character, or, like, the Ryback character, whatever... Other than that, yeah. they haven't done squash matches like this. Not squash matches like you said with like guys like Zack Ryder, but with local athletes. And I think I completely agree they're very much effective in building up these newer talent that might be you know very green, like a Braun Strowman or a Nia Jax. And I'm not too high on either person. I don't think Strowman or Nia Jax are, are that great yet anyway. But I think, you know, accentuating their strengths in a match like these, you know, short and sweet matches where they can get over their power moves, their signature spots. Nia Jax had a new finisher, which I thought was great. It looks a hell of a lot better yeah. than the freaking leg drop, um, you know, circa 1980s from Hulk Hogan. So I'm glad she's using that now, hopefully. But um, I thought they were great. So speaking of Strowman, though, I think Nia Jax is going to be a big player in the women's division regardless of whether people like it or not. But for Braun Strowman... Do you think he does have potential to be a breakout star at some point? Maybe not a, like a world champion top heel, but do you think he can kind of more, be morphed into a bigger heel, a, a lead heel on the roster, on the raw roster at some point down the line with the right seasoning? Uh, just as long as they don't pull a Brodus Clay on him, you know, where they hype him up as a monster, then they bring out a dancing dinosaur, then like, you know, keep Braun Strowman in the role that he's in. And plus, the only reason I enjoy watching Braun Strowman matches nowadays is for his entrance. You know, bro. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, you know, that it's so cool. You know, it's terrifying. But, but yeah, like, the role that he's in right now, I really like it. And, like, his new look and stuff. Just keep, keep, keep bringing on jobbers until they feel like he's ready to take on someone... You know, a, a veteran like Big Show. I think yeah, Big Show's on Raw and Mark yeah. Henry. You know, mm-hmm. that, that'll make that'll make him look strong. And plus, you know, why why would you want to have Big Show go over Braun Strowman? It, 
you know. Well, I mean, well, th- this company might. Well, Vince, knowing Vince, you know, he probably <laughs> would do it, but yeah. But yeah, I think Braun Strowman has a pretty good uh, future ahead of him. Just like I-, I don't see him as a world champion or anything. Yeah. But like maybe a run with the U.S. title, maybe. But that's that's what I think. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm more I'm higher on him now. Like I said, I'm not the biggest Braun Strowman fan, but I think I'm a lot higher on him now than I ever was in the past year since he debuted, like right after SummerSlam. Just because I don't know, I think it's weird. It's like the reverse effect with him. I don't know if it's the squash matches. I think a lot of it actually has to do with the squash matches, but when he was in the Wyatt family, I mean he was protected and he still is protected, but there just yeah. wasn't anything about him that was exciting at all. I mean the guy's a freaking beast from a first glance. He was just there. He was just there, exactly. I don't know if he was getting overshadowed by Bray or because he was in the ring when he was. He just wasn't that good. I couldn't really tell you. Maybe it was like, like as you said, like now he's kind of working his way back up the ladder. But when he first yeah. debuted, he went from debuting and then like the next week they put him in the ring with a Dean Ambrose. And the week after that, Roman yeah. Reigns. Like, you can't, I mean, for some people, like a Finn Balor, I could see putting you in the ring with a main event star or something and then winning and getting a big win. But for most people, like a Braun Strowman, who just quite isn't that good yet anyway, it doesn't make any sense to do that. So I'm glad they're kind of taking their time with him. And uh, maybe we might finally get that Undertaker-Strowman match that Vince had her boner for earlier this year. So, I mean, I guess we'll say, you know. Maybe oh, gosh. I don't even know what to think about that. I mean, I'd rather not see that match. I'd rather, I'd rather hope that he leads. You know, this leads to like, as you said, like a U.S. title push or something. But I'm really yeah. hoping that's not the case for uh, for WrestleMania 33, Strowman versus Taker. I mean, he's doing better now, but it still does not mean I want to see that match on the grandest stage in the mall. But um, that being yeah. said, I mean, we'll skip right over Shining Stars and Golden Truth. That kind of speaks for itself. That was like superstars level fodder but uh, after that though we did have a, the first ever in-ring confrontation face-to-face between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor I mean Rollins I mean I've said this time and time again I think you can definitely agree too and that in the last two years like ever since he broke out from the shield initially when he broke out for me anyway there was some concern as to how he was going to fare in the mic because um, he wasn't the greatest talker at that time. And he could still be like a bit annoying at this point, but he still merged. He's still, you know, come into his own as a talker over the past two years. He's really, really good. And Finn Balor is kind of in that same place right now where he's not the most amazing promo guy, but I think he might be in due time with the right, you know, like seasoning, I guess might be the right word for it. But I thought this was really good. Both guys showed very strong fire and hyping up their WWE Universal Championship match for SummerSlam. Finn Balor getting the last word. Um, so I thought this was good too. And we'll talk about that more in a second. But that also led to Sami Zayn versus Seth Rollins later on. Rollins scoring the clean victory and also a very, very good match, building momentum for the Universal Championship match at SummerSlam. So, Clark, uh, what were your expectations for this segment between Rollins and Balor on the mic? And do you think it you know, met those expectations, if not exceeded them? I think it exceeded my expectations. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, and someone tweet me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think they've ever met in the indies. Like, this is their first time in a match together. You know, you never saw Prince Devitt against Tyler Black or anything. You're seeing Finn Balor against Seth Rollins for the very first time, and it's like the, the dream match that you never thought you were going to see, but now you're seeing it on on SummerSlam of all things, the WrestleMania of summer, and that's that, that's big, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the promo that they did on Raw, it, it was it was spectacular. It was just you know, yeah, 
yeah, uh, Seth Rollins saying, you may be the longest NXT reigning champion, but I was the first. Uh, and he was naming off, you know, he's going to be a couple of firsts. And then he said, I'm going to be the first universal champion. And then, you know, Finn Balor uh, striking back. And then it, it was it, it was perfect. I enjoyed it. I was I was glued to my TV because just, you know, the talent and the hype that these guys have is just, you know, you can't look away when they're on TV together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially at this point. I mean, I think we all knew that the match was going to deliver. But for me, I was wondering how the promos were going to be just because, like I said, these two aren't the greatest. I mean, Rollins come a long way. Balor is still kind of improving on the mic. But this was great. And like you said, I'm even more hyped for the match, you know, after this segment than I was even beforehand. But um, as you said, I thought that the little touches, like you said, that I completely forgot about with Rollins saying that he was the first ever NXT champion before Finn Balor. He was the, you know, Balor was the high pick. He was a high choice in the WWE draft a few weeks ago, but it was Rollins who was drafted first to Raw. And um, I noted this on Twitter, but Rollins, like you said, he's had a career first throughout his WWE tenure, becoming the first at SummerSlam last year, becoming the first superstar to win both the U.S. and World Championship at the same time, or hold the championships at the same time, rather, so... Um, he could make history again come SummerSlam. And, I mean, I'll ask you this real quick, too. Uh, do you think come SummerSlam, and this has been not rumored or anything, it's been purely fan speculation. I've seen a couple people talk about it and pitch it. I think it'd be great if this happened. Would you want to see, what, do you want to see this, slash, do you think it might happen, a Finn Balor heel turn and winning the championship via help from Gallows and Anderson with Seth Rollins going babyface soon after, if not right at that event, to set him up in chase mode for the fall. Do you think that's plausible? And do you, would you want to see that happen and come their match at SummerSlam? Um, I'd be down for it. I mean, I'm not against it in any way. So when Balor was in uh, New Japan as Prince Devitt and he uh, formed the Bullet Club, he, you know, he turned heel. And, uh, like, I, I didn't watch New Japan at this time, so I didn't, you know, see the forming of the Bullet Club. But I have seen people praise Finn Balor's uh, heel run there as the leader of the Bullet Club. So, I mean, he does have potential to be a really good heel. And Seth Rollins, I think they should have booked him as a babyface when he returned from uh, ACL injury. But, mm-hmm. you know, heel Rollins, face Rollins, you know, e- either Rollins is fine with me. Um but I like that fan booking of, you know, Gallows and Anderson helping Finn Balor win the title. And then, you know, because then you'll feel bad for Seth Rollins and you'll want to, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah I like that booking idea. I mean, I, I think like I mean, I think Brooklyn would be the place to do it too. Not to say that Balor's going to get booed. Yeah. I think both guys are going to be cheered. I think they might cheer Balor over Rollins just because they want to see a fresh face win the championship. Over, I mean, he's Rollins is still relatively fresh too, but Balor is the new star. He's like the new toy compared to uh, Seth yeah. Rollins. But um, you know, if there's any place to do that, because they're going to cheer Rollins anyway when he comes out, I think that might be the place to do it. But um, on plus, that scene, oh, go ahead. Plus, it's SummerSlam. You got to have that big SummerSlam moment that mm-hmm. people are going to talk about for years. You know, mm-hmm. they had. You know, people still talk about Bret Hart against Davey Boy Smith from SummerSlam that took place in England. They're going if it happens at SummerSlam this year, they're going to talk about Gallows and Anderson joining with Finn Balor to join the Balor Club or you know the club, whatever. They're probably going to do the Balor, the Balor Club if they do that. But you know, that's just me. 
Yeah, I mean, it would make sense as to why. It would make sense of the fact that Balor is still using the Balor Club logo. I mean, he was still using an NXT for no real reason other than it was cool. But now yeah. that when he's coming out with the jacket on and the Balor Club thing on the Titan Tron, it seems like that's the direction they're going in or they're going to have him feud with them at some point. Like, something's got to happen. Otherwise, people might just be confused because, you know, Gallows and Anderson are still calling themselves the club. So... I don't know what's happening there, but it would be great. I mean, I really don't have much doubt about it. I mean, I might have been skeptical maybe six months ago, because like you said, I mean, Balor's a great babyface, and he's you know he's just debuted, and people want to cheer him and whatever. But at the same time, I feel like AJ was in that same exact boat, and he was one of, if not the most popular guy in the company on the babyface side, and he's always been a better babyface. And he was a heel over in New Japan, but I didn't really watch that run, so I couldn't tell you how good of a heel he was. And being a heel over in Japan as an American is different than being a heel over here in the States, just because if you're a foreigner over in Japan, obviously they're going to boo you, so it's a bit different. But Styles has been great. I mean, he's been a phenomenal, no pun intended, heel on SmackDown. So I think Balor might be able to follow suit if they go in that direction. But as you said, you know, double turn or not, it's still going to be a great match. They need a moment, you know, whether it be Davey Boy and... uh, you know, uh, Davy Boy, you know Smith, and the British Bulldog, and Bret Hart from 1992, or whether it be you know the or- heel turn, the Triple H heel turn from 2013. It seems like SummerSlam has always been the stage for big moments, a la WrestleMania, even sometimes more often than WrestleMania. But uh, moving yeah. along, though, I mean, we had also another championship match on Raw: Rusev defending against Mark Henry. Uh, an all right match. Rusev won pretty decisively. Then afterwards, we were all hoping, or at least I was. I saw a lot of a lot of other people, you know, hoping for the same thing. A return from WWE's only Olympic gold medalist in Kurt Angle. Obviously, that did not happen. We got Roman Reigns instead, which I'm not mad about. And I want to get your thoughts, uh, your thoughts on it too, Clark. That Roman Reigns going after the U.S. Championship against Rusev. Uh, it looks like, and obviously, it wasn't confirmed. It might be on Monday's Raw. That appears to be uh, appears to be the direction they're going in for SummerSlam is Rusev versus Roman for the U.S. Championship. Now, a few different questions here, and I'll kind of go in order. I'll, I won't ask you them all at once just because it might be a bit of a clusterfuck. But for the first question, do you think that a U.S. title program for uh, for Roman Reigns is more of a demotion for is more of a demotion for him than it is a promotion of the U.S. Championship, or do you think it's the other way around? No, I don't think it's a demotion for anybody, really. I mean, yeah, he, yeah, Roman was in the main event of WrestleMania, but, you know, he uh, he violated the wellness policy, and that and Vince is uh, punishing him for it. But um, I, if they do, Rusev and Roman at WrestleMania, uh, I can see Roman winning the title, and just like they did with Cena uh, after WrestleMania 31, uh, I think Roman will bring the title to uh, prestige again. I, I hope so. I mean, like, I read one of the dirt sheets, and, you know, I don't believe the dirt sheets too much, but uh, I saw someone say they're they're not going to make Roman the, the top guy, but they're going to make him a top guy. So, you know, Cena is a top guy, and, you know, you saw the title with the U.S. Open Challenges. I'm not saying Roman's going to do the U.S. Open Challenges, but I feel like Vince still has... Um, some trust in Roman, in a way. So I think they're going to put the U.S. title on Roman at SummerSlam, and they're going to make the U.S. title seem, you know, they're going to bring the title up in prestige, at mm-hmm. least. 
I think for Roman, I think him winning would be good for him. I mean, I don't know if he if he went through the U.S. Championship and then ultimately back to the main event scene, he would earn more fans. I mean, it kind of worked for John Cena. I don't know if it would work the same way for Roman Reigns. Like, I mean, people have been saying since the beginning, for like the past two years, ever since people shit on him winning the Royal Rumble back in 2015, um, people were saying that he should have gone through the mid-card first and then the main event scene because Roman kind of went from the Shield basically to the main event almost immediately and it wasn't the same organic push that a guy like Batista got you know back in 2005 it was very different in that in that respect but um yeah. that being said I mean I think going back to the mid card so to speak or the upper mid card or whatever with the U.S. championship might be good for him obviously as you said Clark it would be great for the U.S. title and bringing it back to that same level but then let's not forget about Rusev so if Rusev loses the belt at SummerSlam do you think Two things. One, it would bring Rusev back to that same level he was at during like the Dolph Ziggler feud last year when he lost the belt to John Cena, lost three pay-per-views in a row, and went back to being nothing. And also, do you think that um, that Roman Reigns is the right guy to finally beat Rusev? I mean, Rusev has been clobbering everybody over the past couple of months. Cesaro, Zack Ryder, Kalisto, Titus O'Neil, everybody, Mark Henry. He's beaten a slew of opponents. Do you think it would be anticlimactic to have a guy like Roman Reigns as opposed to a Cesaro or a Sami Zayn be the one to beat Rusev for the belt at SummerSlam? As much as I'd like to see Cesaro or Sami Zayn win the U.S. title at SummerSlam, uh, yeah, I, I don't see it happening. I mean, I saw uh, Sheamus and Cesaro were talking, and they're like, hey, I want to go for the U.S. title. Oh, well, so do I. And then uh, Stephanie and Mick uh, booked them in a match, and if they and they didn't say the winner would get a shot. They said if whoever impresses us will get a shot. So I think Roman will. Get, I'm sure Roman's going to win at SummerSlam, but um, but yeah. So Sheamus and Cesaro, whoever they like. Uh, but uh, yeah, Rusev. I sure hope they don't treat him like they did after losing the at WrestleMania because like throughout the throughout the past year Rusev has really grown on me he's a really funny dude on Twitter mm-hmm. and like like I think he and Lana I, it was either Extreme Rules or Payback it was one of those uh, social media lounge kind of segments that they do on the pre-show mm-hmm. it, 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 it was so hilarious you know it, it <laughs> was it, I think that made me a more bigger fan of Rusev than anything else yeah, the but, guy's, yeah, he's really a riot, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think if, if they can kind of have him bring out that personality as a character, he might be even become more likable. I mean, he's a heel, so it's not really the goal, but um, I totally agree. I mean, I, I liked Rusev the first time around, but he's really kind of come into his own as a great heel, as a personality over the past year and a half. He's not a typical, you know, powerhouse or a typical big guy or whatever. He has personality. He doesn't always show on TV, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, like, actually, he kind of did. I mean, he showed it back in Money in the Bank when he beat O'Neal, and then he got on the mic afterwards, and he was like, oh, Titus O'Neil, he's a, he's the worst father ever, like, like, something like that, and it was hilarious. So if he could do yeah. more stuff like that, um, I, I think it would be great for him. I mean, also kind of on the same lines, too. I was talking with other people about this throughout the week, but if you think, or if do you think that when they do, or if, I guess kind of when at this point, just say it's Roman and Rusev at SummerSlam, not Cesaro in there or Sami Zayn, just a straight-up one-on-one match with um, Roman and uh, Rusev for the U.S. Championship. Who do you think in that case the Brooklyn crowd would cheer for? Rusev. Yeah, I was thinking the same exact thing. I think 
I think everyone will be going for Rusev. Uh, because if you remember Ro- Royal Rumble 2015, the last two were Roman and Rusev, and people were chanting for Rusev. Mm-hmm. And people still aren't too high on Roman, so I'm sure, you know, whoever they book uh, as the opponent for Roman Reigns, whether they're the top heel, they could put Roman against Kevin Owens. People are going to love Kevin Owens. You know, at, at least the adult fans are. Kids are still going to be, yeah, yay, Roman. But, you know, <laughs> adult fans are going to, you know, go whoever is against Roman Reigns. So I think we're going to get a good uh, good backing on Roman, uh, on not Roman, on Rusev at SummerSlam. I would assume so. It looks like, I mean, I completely forgot about the Rumble, but it looks like that Rusev will be the fan favorite in Brooklyn just because it doesn't really matter, I guess, who you put Roman up against. They're never going to side with him. Even if he faced a John Cena-like guy, even if he faced John Cena himself at this upcoming pay-per-view, I still feel like they would cheer Cena over Roman Reigns just because there's nothing likable about the character right now but uh it's going to be an interesting match to say the least and these two have always had really good chemistry so i have no doubt their match would be good uh come SummerSlam. so another match looking likely for the pay-per-view is new day versus the club now on monday's raw we had new day versus club straight up xavier woods was banned from ringside they made a big deal about that yet the match ended in like a minute and a half two minutes after i forgot who it was gallows or anderson got distracted and then got rolled up and then they lost and I know the club attacked him afterwards. Like, that's good they got their heat back. But, I mean, from a storyline standpoint, if they have a rematch at SummerSlam, first of all, what earns them a championship match? Because they just lost the champions in two minutes. And secondly, um, what like wh- what should make me believe? What, where's the incentive to think that the club actually has a chance of beating New Day come SummerSlam if it's going to be the same exact match and the other third member of New Day will be there? Because, I mean, unless Biggie's, I mean, he's not really hurt, obviously, but they're playing up the fact on their website in recent days that Biggie's been hurt. He might not be at the pay per view. And I could see a deal where they might injure Biggie and then Xavier Woods, you know, takes the pinfall loss at SummerSlam. I could totally see that. But, uh, so I, I just thought this whole thing was weird. What were your thoughts on it, Clark? Do you think the club, in storyline anyway, stand a chance of winning the tag team titles at SummerSlam? Um, you know, I can't really answer that for sure because like i would i would like to see them win the title of SummerSlam because new day won them at last year's SummerSlam, so why not drop them at this year's SummerSlam? you know one year later mm-hmm. um but yeah from a storyline standpoint i don't really i i can't answer that you know like i wish i could but maybe we got still we got two more weeks left of what yeah two more weeks of raw so hopefully we get some answers and Hopefully we get that, you know, put in New Day and the club. But right now, I honestly don't know how to answer that question. Side note, I just thought of this. What if they did for the tag titles, not just New Day and club? And I guess it's not only a retread of Money in the Bank, but also SummerSlam last year. And the show is four hours. They could do two separate matches. But instead of doing... Uh, Y2KO versus Enzo and Cass, and then this tag team title match. Do you think it's possible, slash, would you want to see a fatal four-way with all four teams instead? I think it would catch the club and storyline off guard, you know, because, like, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go after the tag titles, and then all of a sudden you see Y2J and uh, KO coming out, and they're just like, no, we want the tag titles, and then Enzo and Cass 
and was like, hey, we, we want the tag titles too, so I think it'll catch New Day off guard, it'll catch the club, it'll de- definitely catch them off guard, and uh, that I, I feel like doing a Fatal 4-Way for the tag titles would be a good idea again. I'm not too... I'm not, I'm not too excited about that if they decide to go that route, but I can live with it. I would I'd be down to watch it. Yeah, it wouldn't be worst case scenario. Yeah, I'm just thinking that I wouldn't be like super red hot about it just because, or like super pumped up about it just because we literally just saw the same thing at Money in the Bank two months ago with three of the four of the same teams. You're just replacing the VOD villains with um, Jericho and Owens. So, I mean, yeah. again, it wouldn't be the most creative thing, but then again, the club were also feeding with Amore and Cass right before this, you know, at Battleground. So, I could see it happening, but like as you said earlier, it's also a four-hour show, so they have enough time to do two separate tag team matches, which I'm all for. It really doesn't matter which direction they go in. I think also in that match, if they do a fatal four-way match with the belts, you really don't have a worst-case scenario because I think anyone would be happy with any of those four teams winning. I think the club are long yeah. overdue for a title run. Enzo and Cass, you know, their popularity speaks for themselves. Jericho and Owens could be what, like, Edge and Jericho was supposed to be many years ago before Edge got hurt and that whole yeah. thing happened. And the New Day are just the New Day, and they're just awesome. So there's really, you know, uh, yeah. any bad scenario in that case. So we already kind of talked yeah, about... I, oh, no, go, sorry, go ahead. I, I would not complain if they did a Fatal 4-Way because, yeah, like you said, all... All four teams are really popular with the crowd, so, you know, there's really no one to, you know, go against, really. Yeah, there's not really many other tag teams on Raw. I mean, other than the Dudley Boys and, God forbid, the uh, the Golden Truth and the Shining Stars, I think. I mean, they have a re- oh, really oh. solid tag team division, but, uh, I mean, they just yeah. got to, you know, with, with all the teams they have and all the teams that are growing, so, um, either way, I think the tag team, tag team wrestling across the board right now is just great. Uh, not only on Raw, but I mean, on SmackDown, you have a number of talented teams. And NXT, they're really heating up. They had a tag team match close the show last night. So I think the tag team wrestling scene, you know, even in other companies, but especially WWE right now, has been really red hot for a few months now. So we already kind of talked yeah. about Cesaro and Sheamus and gave our thoughts on that. A decent match. Cesaro won, as you said. Um, so we'll talk about this quickly. Um, Jinder Mahal made his return on Monday's Raw. So he came out with Heath Slater. They both wanted contracts, fully said, and we only have one spot left on Monday Night Raw's roster. Whoever wins this match gets a spot. Slater didn't go along with it. Jinder Mahal did. Land him with a kick, a hard kick. Uh, won the match, and Jinder Mahal is back on Raw to literally crickets. I don't think many people gave a shit. Not many people probably remembered who he was because he was a forgotten member of 3MB. I remember who he was, but... Just And I know rumors have been circulating for a few weeks now that he was coming back. I just, and again, maybe it's just me. I just don't really give a shit at all. It's not that, guy, that the guy's horrible. It's just he was never a big deal to begin with. He's very boring. Yeah. And uh, even in 3MB, yeah. I thought he was just not good. I thought McIntyre and Slater were a lot better. So, Clark, are you excited at all about the return of Jinder Mahal? Or do you think, like I was, like I was thinking on Monday, that they rehired the former 3MB or the wrong former 3MB member? I think they're just gonna bring back, you know, old guys like like Mahal. I think they're gonna do that with Hawkins and everything. Rhino, they're doing it with Rhino. I think they're just gonna sign guys to beat Slater, so he continues to be the hottest free agent in sports entertainment. Um, <laughs> but no, I wasn't. I wasn't excited for Jinder Mahal. I mean, like there was that. Oh, whoa! It's Jinder Mahal, and then after that, it's like, oh, I don't care. Um, 
yeah, there was nothing. You know, he never he never excited me in any way. So, what makes you think he's going to excite me now? I mean, he could, but you never know. I'm not too excited. Yeah, no, I mean, it depends on how he's even used. If he's a jobber, like, yeah. I can see them bringing him back for as an enhancement talent, which is a fine role for him, but other than that, I just don't really care. I mean, even the other people you mentioned, guys like Rhino and Hawkins, and I guess Hawkins in the same boat. I mean, I know I like him, a lot of people, like, you know, other people yeah. like him and stuff, but um, just... I, don't, I feel like he's a lot better in the ring, and he was he was kind of in the same category, if not even worse off than Mahal. He never got really much TV time. Mahal did in the five years or so that he was with the company. Hawkins never really did yeah. when he broke off on his own. Um, so people might care even less or not even remember Kurt Hawkins. But I just think that he's a lot better in the ring, and there's a lot more potential there for him to be something, as opposed to Mahal, who just bores people to tears. So again, I don't want to speak too soon. I guess I already kind of did, but I think so far I'm just not really thrilled about him being back. So we'll talk about the segment here, the main event segment, with Paul Heyman coming back. Thank God they re-signed him to a deal, and Vince gave him whatever the hell he wanted in order to get him back in the company. Uh, So he cut a promo talking about the match at SummerSlam and how Orton was alluding to in his his earlier segments at Battleground and at SmackDown Live last week that it only takes one RKO to beat the Beast at SummerSlam. And then Speak of the Devil basically literally out of nowhere, and the commentator stayed a lot. They put it on the back of T-shirts, but... This quite was out of nowhere. I know for sure that I wasn't expecting it, so when it happened, I marked the hell out. Uh, Randy Orton appeared, laid out Lesnar with an RKO, and scrambled out of the ring, and you know, security flying by him. I thought it was a very hot ending to the show. It got people even more pumped up for the match at SummerSlam. This worked on yeah. multiple different levels. So coming out of the segment, what were your thoughts on it? I was listening to Paul cutting, the, cutting his promo like he usually does, and... You know, like most people, when they listen to Paul Heyman, you know, they, they drop whatever they're doing and they just are watching. They're glued to their TV, and they're basically just zoning out and listening to Paul Heyman like, you know, like everyone, like a normal wrestling fan would. And then all of a sudden, you see Randy Orton, and you just like, zone, you know, you're, you, you're back into it, and it's like, oh, whoa, that was unexpected. Like, it was literally out of nowhere, like the back of Randy Orton shirt said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it really worked on a variety of levels. And I think the one thing that not everybody, I did see some criticism about it, so I'm going to get your thoughts on it too, your two cents. So with Orton appearing on Raw only two weeks after the draft, he's a SmackDown guy, he's appearing on Raw, people are already saying the brand split's worthless, they're already breaking the rules, how could they, blah, blah, blah. Personally, I wasn't that upset about it just because they, this few needed that. This few needed that. I mean, the segments of Battleground and on SmackDown with Orton last week were good. The fact the match is even happening is great. I mean, it's a first-time-ever-esque match. I know they had one face-off like over a decade ago, but that aside, it's it's a fresh match, basically, is what I'll say. Um, but I think this feud desperately needed what we saw on Monday and also what we saw on SmackDown, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and I think it was necessary. And, I mean, it's not like they, they approved of Orton being there. He wasn't advertised for Raw. He did come out of nowhere, hit him with the RKO, and scrambled out of there before security almost kicked him out of the building. It's not like, oh, he's a WWE superstar. He's, it's okay for him to be there. It's, no, you're a member of SmackDown, not Raw. Get the hell out. So I thought it created that you know chaotic feel to the show, You know, gave it a chaotic feel. And it's not like, or hopefully anyway, if they if they don't do this every single week, then I think it works. So uh, what were your thoughts on a SmackDown guy appearing on Raw? Do you think it at all hindered the brand split rules? No, I think people on the internet are just finding things to complain about. When, on draft night, when it was announced that Brock was going to Raw and Randy was going to SmackDown, I knew, 
I just knew there was going to be a brand invasion. I just knew right then and there. I was like, okay, Brandy's going to Raw, you know, maybe once or twice, and Brock's going to come to SmackDown once or twice. But, yeah, people are just going to find things to complain about. Oh, the draft is totally pointless now because a SmackDown guy uh, is going to Raw. No, no, they're building up the feud. They're hyping it up, you know. People are just finding things to complain about. And I think that might have been done by design. In retrospect, I know a lot of people were questioning why that Orton and Lesnar, despite the fact that by that point it was already confirmed they're facing off at the pay-per-view, why would they do that? Why are they on separate shows? I feel like it was done by design because now you have two times yeah. the hype for that match. You're not only hyping it on so Raw, was, you're not only hyping so, it on SmackDown, so, it's both on, you know, on both programs. Yeah, so that way you have an interpromotional match at the big pay-per-view. You know, you're going to have, you're gonna have uh, the tag... The tag team title match, you know, featuring the Raw guys. You're going to have Cena and AJ featuring the SmackDown guys. And then you're going to have Randy and Brock. And that's going to be Raw versus SmackDown. Who is the better brand, Randy or Brock? Raw or SmackDown, you know, whatever. SmackDown or Raw. Uh, but that's the way I see it. No, exactly. I mean, like you said earlier, as you alluded to earlier... It's the WrestleMania of the summer, and I mean, again, not every match in the show should be interpromotional. WrestleMania, I know that's many months away, should be no different. They shouldn't have every match be Raw versus SmackDown, but if you do these interpromotional rivalries, you know, uh, sparingly or, or whatever, I think it, it works. I think it works very, very well, and they're definitely capturing that magic with both these guys. Orton is as good as he's ever been, more motivated than he's ever been in a long-ass time, and the Lesnar is freaking Brock Lesnar, so I think it's already worked, and it's already off to a strong start. So uh, speaking of SmackDown, we're transitioning from Raw to the Blue Brand from Tuesday night, another very good show. What I thought was a better show than what we saw even last week in the season premiere of the, uh, I agree. the Tuesday night of premiere. So we'll talk more about that, you know, give our overall thoughts on the show at the end here, by the end of our review. But uh, kicking off with what I thought was the highlight of the night with everyone talking about it on Twitter and the days that followed, a very strong verbal segment to kick off SmackDown between Dolph Ziggler and Dean Ambrose. And I think... You know, I mean, I'll, I want to get your thoughts on Ziggler being in the main event scene, period, because obviously I'm not exactly sure where you stand on that. But at the same time, I mean, for me personally, as I said here last week here on the show, I like the idea of Ziggler going after the belt at SummerSlam. It's something new for the world championship picture, and it hopefully ignites a fire under Dolph Ziggler to kind of switch things up. Not only his fault, but I mean with creative and his character and whatever, it's not 100% Ziggler's fault. Uh, but it seems like week one already of Dolph Ziggler's you know, renewed main event push is already off to a great start with this amazing yep. promo. And what I said was the best promo that he's cut in at least four years. So did you have that same feeling? Do you feel like he's already feeling more meaningful than he was even a week ago? Yeah, I could feel the the, the passion that he had. You know, he's talking that he's going to take the title away from Ambrose and then Ambrose is saying, no, you're not. Just, just that simple, no, you're not. And it's just like... You know, that that builds that fire up in Dolph Ziggler. So I think you're going to see a different Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam. I, I felt like Dolph, I don't know if you felt this way, but when Dolph was uh, in the main event against Bray Wyatt, um, I, could feel, I, I could sense something different about Dolph. Like just that simple theme saying, no, you're not the best, you're not better than me. I feel like that lit a fire under Dolph Ziggler, so I think that promo did well for him and his character, and I think the hype for SummerSlam is going to do well for him as well. Absolutely. I mean, even in the match itself in the main event against Wyatt, 
And I, I said this a few days ago, but it just amazes me that a match like Ziggler and Wyatt, and we'll kind of talk about that a little bit too, would have been nothing more than a mid-card match on Raw like two, three weeks ago. But they made it out to be a meaningful main event for SmackDown. It was a really good match. I mean, that goes without saying both guys are really good in the ring. It was a great match, a few suspenseful near falls, down the stretch with Wyatt nearly winning on a few occasions, but in the end it was Ziggler scoring the victory. Still the new number one contender to the world championship come Smack or come SummerSlam, so um, I thought it was great. The, the promo was awesome, and it's just those little things. I mean, as you said, I mean, uh, just his mannerisms during the main event, I don't know if he's going to be the one to turn heel over Ambrose or the other way around. I feel like it should be the I former. I can't tell for sure. I yeah. can't tell for sure who's going to turn heel. That's the thing that that's 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 what's going to make this fun. You know, that's what's going to make this storyline fun. You you don't know who's going to turn heel. I I feel like it's going to be Dean. Then again, I feel like it's going to be Ziggler. So you know, I just never know. I'm just going to sit back, relax, and have fun with what they're going to do. Absolutely. Or if either of them turn at all, we could very well have a babyface versus yeah. babyface belt at the pay per view. So that's one yeah, reason I'm, to be excited about it. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. I'm mm-hmm. fine with face. Versus face, I, it, you know, it's a it's a fun battle. You know, they're not best friends or anything, but you know, the fans love both those guys. So you know, face versus face, I'd like it. I'd mm-hmm. be down. I mean, I think Ziggler is in desperate need of a heel turn, but. If we get this Ziggler that we saw on Tuesday throughout the feud, throughout the build, to this feud, to the match, to the title match, it should be stellar. As long as he's not coming out doing the whole show-off thing, like, acting like a heel, but he's still a baby face. And, I mean, when I say that, I'm talking about, like, in the last couple of years, like, during the Rusev feud, he came off, like, the biggest dick in the world at various points during the feud, but he was still a baby face. Like, that kind of stuff was very annoying. But, I mean, the guy's always been great, and that's one thing I feel like people are missing here that... He's always been a great talker. I mean, you go back five, six years ago, he was cutting some great promos with Vicky and with AJ by his side. Just as a babyface, he's just not hes not a great babyface. People love him, but he's a natural heel. And I think that he was never really given the opportunity to cut that kind of promo on a, on a platform like SmackDown or Raw in recent years. Because, again, he's always been good. You go back, and I'm sure you're aware of them, Clark, like the, the backstage promos that he would cut on Fallout and shit like that, Ziggler, like... That uh, that famous promo from a few years ago, I think it was in early 2014. He cut on you know after a SmackDown show or something after he lost to Cesaro, yeah. and he was saying he was all fed up with the system. And it was like right around the time that Punk quit, so it was very timely. But he's always been yeah. great, and now he's finally just given being the chance, being given the chance to showcase those skills on the mic. So you know, here's hoping we can see more of that Ziggler in the weeks ahead. So um, also on SmackDown, we had a new number one contender crown to the Intercontinental Championship and Apollo Crews beating Kalisto and Baron Corbin in a fun triple threat match. So it is official for SummerSlam. It's Crews, Miz for the IC title. Clark, are you excited for it? Yes. Yes, I am. Do you think Crews... Do you think it was, do you think he was the right guy to beat these other two to, to earn that shot at SummerSlam? Or sorry, what were you saying before about Cruz and how he was in, in the match? I cut you off there. My apologies. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the match is going to be to quote the Miz, awesome. <laughs> it should be. I mean, but, I I don't think we've seen him face off one on one yet, right? No, I don't think so. But I, I find it interesting because last year during SummerSlam weekend, Apollo Cruz was making his NXT debut. You know, his first appearance in WWE. And one year later, he's going into SummerSlam against the Intercontinental Champion for the Intercontinental Championship. So I think he's doing pretty well for his career. 
So far, so good. It's only a year, and he's already going for his first piece of singles gold. So uh, I'm all for it. Like you said, I think it would be a great store if he won his first title in the same building that he debuted a year prior on the main roster, yeah. going from NXT to SummerSlam. I think it would be a great story. Um, do you think it's possible they change the match from a one-on-one match to a fatal four-way with Corbin and Kalisto after what we saw on Tuesday with Corbin laying out everybody? I sure hope not. We already have a fatal four-way for the tag team title. But at least we're fantasy booking it now. But um, but if they don't do if they don't go that route for the tag titles, yeah, fatal four-way for the Intercontinental title would be good. Either fatal four-way for the tag or the Intercontinental, you know, fine with me. It just. Don't do Fatal 4-Way for two matches. Just do it for one. Yeah, and just don't do them all the time. I know we just saw one a few months ago with Miz, Cesaro, Zayn, and Owens for the IC title for that same exact championship, and it was great. And I don't know if you could beat that. And, I mean, I think even moreover than that, I feel like it would just be pointless because, you know, Cruz earned himself a title shot in you know against Miz one-on-one. And then just to throw Corbin and Kalisto in there after losing the triple threat just makes it feel worthless. So I would hope not. Maybe at the next pay-per-view, maybe a backlash, I'd be okay with that. But I think for SummerSlam, it should be one-on-one for right now. Um, you know, the, the women were also a hot topic on Tuesday night. We had Becky versus Eva, or almost the match between Becky and Eva. We almost had Carmella and Natalia. The first match ended after Eva Marie cited an injury, and she had to uh, walk away at the with the help of the doctors. And obviously, she's not actually injured people. It was all an angle, just the build heat for Eva. And then Carmella yeah. was attacked by Natalia prior to her match, so that never really came to fruition either. So the fact that both bouts never came to fruition was a bit disappointing, but I like what they're doing with both feuds. We already have two separate feuds of the women on SmackDown. Um, I'm not a huge Eva fan. I don't think many people are, but I think they are working on her strengths. Like They're taking advantage of what she's good at, and that's her entrance. She's an awful wrestler, so the longer they keep her out of the ring, the better. Um, So I thought the way they did that on Tuesday was good, and also the beginning of the feud between Carmella and Natalia was also off to a good start too. So uh, how do you think they're already, you know, utilizing the women? Are they doing the right way for SmackDown? Yeah, I I think so. I think so. I like the way that they booked Eva, just like you said. You know, they made her do her entrance, you know, spectacular. Um, You know, you have that, whoever the voiceover being like, oh, Eva Marie, Uh, and then she feigns an injury, you know? Like, that was, you know, that, that that was stupid. But it was like, really, why would you do that? And, you know, the fans, you could hear the fans, they weren't happy about it. Because they were, they were, uh, what was it? They, they were screwed out of a match, basically. Mm-hmm. Screwed out of seeing Becky wrestle. Yeah, yeah. So that it was a good chance for that. It was good heat on Eva Marie. So there were, I'm sure we'll get the match at some point, and Becky will carry her to a fine match. So I thought it was fun for what it was. Um, so I'll kind of, yeah. you know, merge these two questions together from the women and also the tag team scene. So American Alpha debuted on Tuesday, beating the Vaudevillains in a good match. So two questions for you. One, what were your thoughts, your immediate reaction to American Alpha winning their debut match on SmackDown? And also two, do you think it's only inevitable? I mean, this has also been a hot topic throughout the week on, you know, social media and whatnot from wrestling fans. Do you think it's only inevitable before we see uh, a tag team title and women's title instituted for SmackDown? Okay, oh uh, yeah, American Alphas, I mean, I, I love JJ and Gable, so, you know, their match was just spectacular. Uh, they had a great debut on SmackDown. Um, and the tag titles and the women's titles, I'm, I'm for a tag titles on SmackDown. Uh, I'm not so much for a women's title. I don't know why. I feel like 
you know, the women's title is basically the World Heavyweight Championship to the women's division. Mm-hmm. And I feel like whoever's the champion should not be on both shows, but should be open to, you know, accepting challenges and facing off uh, against anyone from other Raw or SmackDown. That's what they did in 05. That's when I started watching wrestling with Trish Stratus. And, you know, Trish was the women's champion on Raw. They had nothing on SmackDown for Tori Wilson, John Marie, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I don't really want to see a women's title on SmackDown. You know, I want them to be on Raw and, you know, or SmackDown if a SmackDown uh, superstar wins it. But, no, I don't really want to see it two Divas women's championships. I mean, originally I was of the same mindset. I'm still, I still kind of am just because I also feel like also the tag titles, we should have one tag, one tag title, one women's title. But then again, it all goes back to the same question. Like you said, how do you build feuds with people between yeah. two brands? And, you know, 10 years ago, I mean, I guess we still, it's okay. I mean, I feel like even before the title was defended in both shows, the women's championship, you had storylines with the women, like obviously the long reigning, the uh, long standing rivalry between Tori Wilson and uh, and what was her name, Dawn Don Marie, on, on SmackDown yeah. for many months. And a lot of the feuds, I mean, even not even only on SmackDown, but on Raw too. It was whoever's on the cover of Playboy this month or whatever. They would start a feud over that, or who was kissing whoever's yeah. boyfriend. And obviously, those storylines with the women are passe, but they could still do good feuds. I mean, you could do something with Natalia and Carmella. It doesn't have to be over a championship, but. Um, and I guess we'll see. I mean, I know rumors have speculated that, have indicated that we might see the institution of a women's or a tag team title probably after SummerSlam, maybe come Backlash. So, I mean, I think if done the right way, it could work. Um, you just can't water down the championships. Because I know even after that point, like in 08 to 2010, before they eventually merged the two titles, when we had a Divas Championship and a Women's Championship, it just it wasn't exciting. Like it was Michelle McCool versus fucking like Melina every single week, or Layla yeah. versus you know Kelly Kelly or whatever. You know, by that point it wasn't exciting. It wasn't good. And now we're still doing two minute matches, and none of the women in those divisions anyway were really all that good. So again, it, maybe if done right, it could work. Just for right now, I'm still slightly skeptical. But I think at this point they might need they might need the championship for both shows. Just with a growing women's division on both Raw and SmackDown. So, to close out our SmackDown review here before we move quickly into NXT, AJ and John Cena, AJ Styles and John Cena on Tuesday, confirming their second match ever at SummerSlam one-on-one in what was one of the better promos we've seen from both guys in some time in, you know, in recent memory, which is certainly saying something. We've seen a lot of great mic work from both Styles and Cena throughout this feud over the last couple of months. Um, this was another really, really good segment. And like I said, it's now official for the biggest party of the summer, AJ versus John Part 2 at SummerSlam. So, Clark, what were your thoughts on the promo? Who do you think won this war of the words between John Cena and uh, AJ Styles on Tuesday night? As much as I love AJ, because he's my guy, uh, you know, John Cena, since he came back from injury... Whenever he cuts a promo, you can, like, feel the passion that he has for wrestling. Like, he'll say, you know, I hosted the ESPYs, I hosted Team George Awards, but WWE is my home and it always will be my home. It's not, you know, when The Rock came back five years ago saying, I'm home, you know, because he left again, John Cena comes back to SmackDown and then he goes off and hosts, you know, whatever shows he's hosting. Uh, But, yeah, John Cena just shows all this passion and he says, listen, you're, 
I- I'm the veteran. You're the new guy. So you got to go through me if you want to if you want to stay here. If, if you want to stay here on this show. If you want to um, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. Basically, is what Cena's saying. Exactly, and I feel like not not to say that he cuts the same promo all the time. And he kind of does from time to time about, like, oh, I love the WWE and whatever. It's a typical cookie-cutter babyface promo. But he does it so well. And for anyone complaining about it, let's just remember the days. And he still does this very rarely. Thankfully, not as often. But the days were towards uh, his opponents who would make poop jokes and shit like that. And just, like, yeah. make light of it. And his, and his comedy, WWE comedy anyway, is just not funny. The guy is funny. Outside of the company, for whatever reason. When it's not PG, John Cena can be a riot, as seen in, like, train wreck and at the ESPYs and stuff like that. Whatever it is, the shit they write for him, and I don't know if it's John himself. Maybe it is John himself, but the the PG comedy that he does is not funny at all. But when he's serious and cuts a promo like this, and like you said, I feel like the right word is a passionate promo, it's it's brilliant, and it's only going to make you more excited for uh, their next matchup. And... So before moving to NXT real quick, before we close out the show, who do you got going over? I know that's kind of a bit early. SummerSlam predictions aren't for another few more weeks, but AJ or Cena? Do you think AJ can finally beat Cena clean one-on-one, or do you think John Cena will get his win back from Money in the Bank? Oh. Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, I feel like they're going to go... With Cena going over, because, you know, they did that with Owens at the Elimination Chamber. You give Owens the win, then you give Cena the win. I think they're going to do that with Styles. You know, they gave him the win at Money in the Bank, and then you're going to give Cena the win at SummerSlam. But then again, if you think about it, John Cena had... At Battleground, right? Was it Battleground? Or, no, I'm thinking. I'm just thinking that Cena did technically get his win back in the six-man tag team match by pinning AJ at Battleground. Yeah, but this, yeah, but that was a tag match. This is a singles match. So yeah, I'm that, not really counting Battleground. But um, yeah. But I feel like they're going to give Cena the win at SummerSlam. But then again, Cena's kind of taken a, a, how do I say, a lighter schedule since he came back from injury. Like, he's appearing on, like, not too many house shows for the rest of the year. But, you know, Cena or AJ, I can't really... It, it, to me, it could be either one. That's, yeah. that's the way I see it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't riot. I wouldn't be pissed if John Cena won just because it's kind of predictable. And not predictable in the way that I like, oh, I hate that it's going to happen. But AJ got to win over John Cena. That was the bottom that was, that was the bottom line. The first thing they needed to do was have AJ beat Cena in their first ever match, regardless of whether it was yeah. you know clean, dirty, whatever. He beat him. So at least he has a win over Cena under his belt. Um, so if Cena wins yeah. at SummerSlam, however it happens, I'm sure even if that happens, they'd make AJ look strong in defeat. I would not be mad at that. But like you said, with it being a new era, Roman Reigns has taken a number of clean losses, and Roman Reigns is no John Cena, but Cena has lost clean multiple times before to guys like Del Rio yeah. and fucking Kevin Owens. And if he can lose to Del Rio, honestly, in seven minutes at Hell in a Cell, why can't AJ beat him clean at SummerSlam? I mean, without the club, now he has a perfect excuse to win on his own. So I'm hoping that's the direction yeah. they're going in. I wouldn't be mad if he loses, um, if AJ loses. But um, either way, because it's not all that predictable, I think it's going to be a great match, and a lot of people are looking forward to it. So before we close out, we'll talk quickly about NXT. Um, like I said earlier, at the start of the show, we already kind of talked about Bobby Roode. 
But it was a very newsworthy show, and I forgot to mention this earlier, but Hideo Tommy is back wrestling his first ever match on NXT in yeah. well over a year. Came back from injury, beating uh, Shaw Maluta from the Cruiserweight Classic in a really good match. And Tommy is headed to Brooklyn. I don't know if he's going to be on the show. You knew about, you, you would know better than I would. But uh, your initial impression on Hideo Tommy being back in the ring, did he show any ring rust on Wednesday night, Clark? Uh, I didn't see any ring rust, at least not to me. Um, it was good to see him back because, uh, you know, he's been gone for, what, a year and a half at least? Just about. I yeah, think since April of last yeah, year, so yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it was good to see him back in the ring. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm the biggest today of a Tommy fan, but I like his ring work. And it was, you know, yeah, it was good to see him back. And it was great to see uh, Sean Maluda of the Cruiserweight Classic appear on the next team, too. Yeah, he was really good. I mean, th- didn't he not face um, Kota Ibushi? Was he the one that faced Ibushi? I think, right? I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and he impressed me in that match too. I mean, Ibushi's a star, but yeah. Maluda was also very good. So I would have no problem with them re-signing, uh, not re-signing, but signing him to a contract for the Raw Cruiserweight division at some point. But you know, that was a good yeah. match. Like you said, I'm not the biggest Hideo Tommy fan ever, but I think he's good. I do like the guy, and now is as good of a time as ever to bring him back with so many call-ups. And just, you know, NXT being just booming right now. So we had that. Yeah. Samoa Joe interfered in the match between Mojo Raleigh and Chris Atkins, forcing the match to go to a, to a no contest, attacking Mojo Raleigh and sending a message to Shinsuke Nakamura. Samoa Joe, ever the beast, by laying out the former Hypro or the current Hypro, whatever, one half of the Hypros. And uh, typical Samoa Joe just kicking ass in NXT. So uh, do yep. you agree, Clark, that this is the best Samoa Joe has been, not ever, but at least in the last 10 years or so. And how are you enjoying his current reign as NXT champion? I am enjoying it so much. <laughs> the thing is, anyone who holds the NXT title, they deliver as the champion. You know, whether they're a babyface like Finn Balor or whether they're a heel like Owens or Samoa Joe. Um, you know, they, they are delivering. Joe is delivering as the champion right now. And it's like every single week. Uh, Joe has something to say, he has something to prove as champion, and he just delivers in the ring. So, yeah. And those are the best champions are the ones that are believable, and I would go so far as to say he is one of, if not the greatest champion in the entire company right now. Not even including, like, I mean, also including, rather, the main roster, not only NXT, but this guy has just been killing it. And it would not surprise me at all if Shinsuke beat him. Not only that, I mean, Shinsuke beating him is not, it's kind of predictable, not in a bad way, but I'm saying it's kind of the foregone conclusion a lot of people are expecting. But it wouldn't surprise me if Samoa Joe drops the title in Brooklyn and maybe do a rematch on TV or something, and then Joe goes straight to the main roster. Like, I could see him easily being a top heel on SmackDown at some point. And him and Cena already has me excited, so I think that'd be a great match for WrestleMania if that's the direction they're going. But uh, I could totally yeah. see that happening. So also in NXT, we had Asuka taking on Aaliyah. Pretty dominant performance from the NXT Women's Champion. Uh, so we have Bailey and Asuka confirmed for TakeOver Brooklyn and a rematch from TakeOver Dallas for the Women's Championship. Do you think that what we saw on Wednesday was kind of planting of the seeds for a heel turn for Asuka? And if so, do you think it's the right move? Um, you know, I can't really see a heel turn. I'll have to go back and watch that match. But, yeah, for now, like, I didn't really pay close attention to that match. Like, I'll be honest with you, but, um, yeah, I'll have to go back and see because I didn't really notice any kind of, uh, any kind of heel, you know, 
Heel tendencies, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it was only a little bit, not like overtly, but I think there were parts of the match, or at least afterwards to me, where she locked in her uh, the, the chicken face crosswing or whatever, her finisher, and she refused to let go on Aaliyah afterwards, and it was only after Bailey came in that she let go of the submission hold. So, again, I don't think she's going oh, heel, but I don't know. I guess I'd have to watch it back too, but that might be the direction they're going, and Bailey's getting called up anyway, so I don't think it's, if it's even really worth it. Uh, main event, Revival, TM61, good match. Not confirmed for TakeOver, but it looks like we're getting TM6, or not TM61, uh, Revival versus Gargano and Ciampa in a great match in the NXT Tag Team titles. Did you enjoy the main event to NXT last night? And are you hyped for that Tag Team title matchup? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I Anytime that Dawson and Dash are on my screen, I'm always entertained by them. They're They're probably the greatest heel tag team in this modern era of NXT right now? I think, it, would it be a stretch to say they're probably the best heel tag team in NXT ever? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't think they're I mean, really, does anyone really even come close? I mean, when you really think about it, the Ascension were good for a time, but I mean, by and large, they were pretty boring. And no yeah. one, I mean, who else? The Vaude Villains? I mean, when, is that it? Blake and Murphy? Da- when Dad... When Dash and Dawson appear on your screen and you hear that music, say yeah, yeah everyone starts booing, you know? Mm-hmm. If you watch NXT Dallas, you will hear the entire arena, they are just flooding with hate on these guys. Yeah. They do not like them. And I think that and I, that means they're doing their job. Absolutely. So, yeah. But, yes, yeah, their match with TM61 last night was just really good. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we've had a lot of heel tag teams in NXT, but I think all of them at one point or another went babyface. Like American Alpha, Vaude Villains, like they all started out as heels, but they went babyface over time. The Revival, yeah. people like the Revival. I love the Revival, you love the Revival, but if I went to an yeah. NXT show, I'm not going to cheer them. I mean, I respect the hell out of them, I love them as an act. Whereas a guy like Kevin Owens would probably cheer. I don't know what it is, but they're just so good at getting heat. And they're just yeah. really good at what they do. They're a very old school tag team, so they're they're just yeah. great in that respect. So I think them versus Gargano and Ciampa is going to be a show stealer in Brooklyn. And speaking of whom, before we close out the show, quick thoughts on the Cruiserweight Classic overall from you, Clark. But in, and you know especially that main event from Ciampa and Gargano, um, undoubtedly in my opinion, the best match in the entire series so far. And one of the better matches of the year in WWE, period. I thought it was just beautiful. So, uh, your quick thoughts on the show last night, on the entire first round, but specifically that main event to last night's show. My two favorite matches. Number one, Jack Gallagher and Fabian Eichner. Jack Gallagher, I, I saw the Bracketology special before Cruiserweight Classic premiered, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was doing you know his interview, why he's here, what he does. And I was like, I, I was just glued to him. I don't know what made me just, like, fascinated with Jack Gallagher. I was just like, I need to watch him, like, when, when, whenever he has a match. And last night was just, it, he did things that I never saw anyone do ever. And even Daniel Bryan said, I've never seen anyone do, do a dropkick in the corner the way he did. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, yeah, Gargano and Champa, I'm going to go back and watch that right after this is over because that match last night was so just like you know they told us a story that they're the tag they're tag partners in NXT but this is an NXT this is the Cruiserweight Classic I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to beat you in NXT we can be buddies but 
this isn't NXT. I'm going to hurt you. And that's the story that they were uh, going with. And then at the end, when Gargano beat Champa, you know, you could feel, you know, Champa. Uh, you didn't think Champa was going to turn heel just by walking away. But I felt like, uh-oh, I, you know, I, I didn't. I felt like there was going to be some tension, but then I remembered, oh, this isn't NXT. This is the Cruiserweight Classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why that match works so well is because they told a stellar story throughout. And I mean, a lot of these matches are just that. They're matches, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a good high yeah. spot, you know, a spot fest or whatever. I mean, if you do a lot of them, of course there is, but that's the whole purpose yeah. of the show. It's a wrestling show. There's no promos. I mean, other than the, the little vignettes introducing us to who these people are. Other than that, it's not meant to be a wrestling show. It's a tournament. So that said, the yeah. fact that these two have history, and I love the fact, I don't know if this was done by design or was a pure coincidence, they closed out NXT no more than an hour earlier, holding the NXT tag team titles high up in the air. So you know they weren't going to turn on each other or one was going to go heel. I mean, you can kind of sense it because they were that believable in their respective roles in the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah. But they closed out NXT, and then they go, it's not the first match in the show. Thankfully, they saved it until the main event. But then they close out that show um, with Ciampa yeah. showing respect towards Gargano. I thought it was just beautiful. Yeah, I thought it was perfect. And the thing is, you know, these guys aren't, you know, the WWE uh, guys. They're not, they, they, they don't have the body size that, that you see in WWE, but they closed out two WWE shows in the same night. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was perfect because one guy comes from Ring of Honor, and that's Champa. One guy comes from Evolve, and that's Gargano. Uh, you know, they're smaller guys. And this is WWE, the land of the giants is what Vince McMahon says. But, you know, these guys aren't giants. And they closed out uh, two shows, Cruiserweight Classic and NXT, which, you know, is obviously a part of WWE. And I like that. I, I like that they're doing that for Gargano and Champa, even though it's not the main roster, but it's still something. It's WWE. Yeah, something should be said about that. I'd have no issue with them winning the belts in Brooklyn against the Revival. I don't know if they'd end their reign that early for the Revival, but... Um, the place would come unglued if those guys won the tag team titles. So that said, too, I thought yeah. the show overall was really, really good. I mean, I forgot to say this earlier when you were yeah. talking about it, but Gallagher, and I forgot the name of his opponent, but he was great, too. I mean, even that guy, even his opponent was really, really good, but Gallagher was yeah. just phenomenal. Like you said, he's got an interesting look. He's got that typical, like, English look. I hate to, like, stereotype, but, like, the with the mustache and, like, the, the hair okay. and everything about uh, yeah. him. Like, it's like an English prototype. The look is good, exactly. He's got the pale skin, but he stands out. That's the thing. He's different. He's not just yeah. another guy. And his opponent looked like just another guy. He looked like a muscled up, you know, a muscle hut or whatever. But even he in the ring was really, really good. Having one of the better think, match of the entire series. I think the thing about Jack Gallagher, when, uh, when during Bracketology, when, he, when Jack Gallagher was, you know, introducing himself and everything, he looked like a small guy. You yeah. Know, like, not, not like Daniel Bryan small, but like a, like a really small guy who's you never thought would be a professional wrestler or anything like that. Like, really, this guy, he's going to hurt me. And then last night you see, and he's like, that guy can hurt me. And I think that's what really, you know, made me become a fan of him because I'm officially a fan of his. Same. I look forward to seeing how far he goes in the tournament. He should go pretty far. I mean, with so many top-tier names in this thing, you got Kendrick, you got Zack Sabre Jr., you got Ayabushi, and so many others, Tozawa, so many top-tier names, it's going to be hard to pick people over the other. But And I don't even know what the next set of matches are. But um, this guy should go far. I forgot to mention him earlier, too, but Rich Swan is awesome. He's super charismatic. He's really, really entertaining. So... 
I would go on record in saying the last night's show, I mean, we've only had four episodes, obviously, but I would say last night's show was the best one yet, even better than the season premiere, and I really, really enjoyed it. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I think, well, you know, this is only the first round, but that was the best of all the first round episodes that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Last night was the best. Yeah, undoubtedly, and I think the best part about it is, is that they're only going to pick up the pace even more, and then going forward, I mean, a lot of these matches were pretty predictable, just because you figured, oh, the bigger names going over, like the guy that I know is going over, but yeah. with all the notable names in the second round, it's not going to be as predictable, I don't read spoilers, I don't know who's won the second round matches, so I guess yep. we'll only have to wait and see in the weeks ahead, so, spoilers. You, you did read the spoilers, or you didn't? No, I said I hate spoilers. Oh, so, same, no, same. Yeah, no, I haven't read them either, so I'm, I'm holding off until we see it, you know, play out on television. But overall, really good match, and the next couple weeks of the show should be great. I mean, the concept's awesome. You know, NXT's just booming right now. Raw and SmackDown are probably more consistently entertaining than they've been in a long time. But um, before I close that out of here, Clark, any more last-minute thoughts in the entire world of wrestling? Anything that we forgot to mention before we move into the uh, cheap plugs? Um, you know, uh, yeah, I actually have a little... Uh Last minute thought. Uh, tomorrow um, at FYE, buy some Bootios cereal. <laughs> and it's not a t shirt, it's out of a box. It is legitimate Bootios cereal, baby! <laughs> so go buy some. I thought that came out today, um, or was it tomorrow? It comes out tomorrow. Oh, okay. So can you, this is what I was wondering, and some people have asked me this too. Can you buy the cereal at the store, or is it, is it only yeah. online? Yeah, it is at the store, and it's online. I'm going to the store tomorrow. That's sexy. I know FYE stores are, like, far and few between. There's a few here in Connecticut where I live, across the country. There's only, like, a few left in the United States. They're not, like, extinct or anything, but there's just not many left. But I'm very happy to have... 20 minutes away. That's awesome, yeah. Like, I don't live far near one either, so I really want to go, you know, buy a box of booty. I mean, it'd be cool to get them even in the mail, but I just want to go there and get the satisfaction of buying the box. And you have a booty shirt, right? You got to see you got to see the face of the person who is scanning it. It's just like it's like really <laughs> Exactly. And do they all come with t-shirts or no? Um I I don't think it comes with a t-shirt, but like I think you can buy one if you want one. I mean, I'm not going to buy one. Yeah, no. I think I guess it depends. I mean, aren't they What what's the cereal like? What? 10 bucks or something on its own? 12, I think. 12, oh, that's not bad. I'll just keep the box. I mean, I already have a box as it is, but it's not the actual cereal box, obviously. It's just the box from what they were selling before. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I need to go buy those bootios. Thank you for reminding me. I'll probably go this weekend and buy me a box of bootios. I mean, they make sure. You got to finish it, Clark. What? You got to finish it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't give you a forewarning. That's my fault. So I'll start again. We'll right, go again. Right. So, right. bootios. They make sure. They make sure you ain't booty. There we go. I know we did the last time you were on the show with RJ. We don't really have that going for us anymore, the, the whole three-way with the ready, willing, and gable, so we'll just keep it with the bootios for right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you All get, right, plugs time, baby? I think so. I mean, before we go forward, one last question. So if you're buying the box of bootios tomorrow, right, that's what you said? So I would ask you just one thing. Please report back to me how good of a cereal they are. Even if they suck, I still want to try them for myself anyway, so I want to get them in the near future. But as soon as you taste them, please tweet me, text me, whatever. Let me know how good these cereals are because I need to get my hands on a box of bootios. All right, I will give you 100% honesty, whether they're (laughs) good or whether they are just 
despicable. Perfect. This... I hope they. I hope they are the greatest thing in the history of all cereal. I really hope so. And even if they're bad, just one, uh, just one piece of advice: just do not tag any three of the members of the New Day in the tweet, just because they will probably block us for saying the cereal sucks. <laughs> so we'll, we'll try to avoid that. But uh, anyway, like you said, cheap plugs time. Uh, what you got to say to the people, Clark? Your Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, AIM, your Gmail, your snail, your snail mail account, Xbox Live, anything that you have for the people to uh, plug to. All right. Let's do this. <laughs> Twitter at Clark Amora. Uh, Instagram at Clark Amora. Um, what else do I have? YouTube Random Hat Do ninety six. I don't post that much videos anymore, but you know there's still content up there. Um, what else do I have? I don't really like to give my Facebook out, so yeah, don't add me um, unless. You know, unless I know you, like I know Graham, I'm his friend on there. But, yeah, right here. I, I got. I'm, I'm among. I'm, I'm among the elite that is friends with the uh, at Clark Mora on Facebook. Proud to say. Yes, he is. He is the elite. <laughs> I'm the elite of the um, Bullet Club, baby. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are the cheap plugs. Uh, go follow me and uh, talk to me. We can talk wrestling, and I will probably be your best friend. Definitely. Sounds good. Well, follow him, folks. He's one of the best people that I follow on the Twitter machine, at Clark Mora, on the Instagram as well, and everything else you plug. Be sure to check him out. Clark, it's been so long since we last had you on the show. Hopefully it won't be much longer before you have you back on. But uh, bottom line, as always, brother, thank you so much for coming on. We'll catch you on down the road. And thank you, man. Once again, a big thanks goes out to Clark for joining me here on WrestleRant Radio today for a great episode. As always, look forward to talking to him again in the near future right here in the show. But in the meantime and in between time, you guys can follow me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant on Facebook at facebook.com backslash graham.houston.matthews and be sure to listen to the show every single Thursday right here, my best Mick Foley voice possible, on nextairwrestling.net every Thursday for new episodes. You never know who might show up for an exclusive guest star appearance. Next week we might have at Jamie Lee Mack and a few others uh, on tap for the weeks that are preceding the SummerSlam pay-per-view. But until then, guys, as I said at the start of the show, one more cheap plug, or technically two cheap plugs. One, check out all my articles for Bleach Report, Hidden Remote, What Culture, now the new website I'm writing for, Sports Kita. All the links and all my latest pieces for each respective website are on the homepage of nextairwrestling.net, which I also write for weekly or my daily, basically, my own very website, this very website you're listening to the show on right now, um, where I rewrite, where I write reviews for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and everything else in between. And uh, one last plug for you, be sure to check out my latest appearance on the Cruise Control podcast, talking all things WWE, with that Randy J. Cruz on the Twitter. It looks like it might be a weekly thing going forward, which I'm ecstatic about, because Randy's just great, and we always have a fun time whenever we hook up to talk everything WWE. And I think that's everything, guys. We are only, let me check my calendar here, 21 days, or rather 14 days from Sunday. Today's Thursday, so 17, my favorite number, 17 days until SummerSlam. I look forward to being a part of the biggest blockbuster of the summer for the second straight year. It should be one hell of a weekend. And until next time, guys, I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch you folks down the road.